For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Hello, welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher. My co-host is Kim Reynolds. This is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about the relevant social media news and how it impacts you, the marketer. Today, we're doing a very special year in review episode of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. We will explore the major Facebook and Twitter marketing news of 2018. Our special guests this week include Michael Stelzner and Amanda Bond discussing Facebook's news feed changes. Before we get into that, go share this on Facebook. Uh, Join 7,000 fellow marketers at the mega conference designed to inspire and empower you. Social Media Marketing World 2019 We will all be here, and we were hoping to see you there as well. Go to smmw19.com. And by the way, join our Social Media Examiner tweet chat every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. The hashtag is SMEchat. And uh, Amanda, who's sitting right here, has been there a number of times and has geeked out over it. So thank you for being there, Amanda. I highly recommend it. And the analytics support it. Get over there. Get that engagement. Yes. Yes. So uh, before we... Tap into our experts here. We want to update you on two or three really quick things that you need to know as far as what broke news-wise this week. The first one is Instagram has rolled out this voice messaging for direct messages. TechCrunch referred to it as walkie-talkie, although that is not a word Instagram has used. In fact, they didn't roll out this thing with an official announcement. But essentially what it is is... You can now hold a button, a microphone button in your Instagram direct messages and record a voice memo to the other person or a group of people for up to a minute. And what's great is then I can then pick my phone up, hold it to my ear, listen to it, and then reply and go back and forth. And this is a great way to add extra context or voice familiarity and friendliness to those of you who are in the business of interacting with your community on Instagram direct messages. Well, Facebook for Business, the portal has launched a new section for creative inspiration. So if you're looking for inspiration, especially if you're a creative involved in making ads for campaigns, Facebook is featuring the best in class ads selected by its creative shop in a new section. And you can search for different creatives um, to spark ideas and help you come up with your own. And they've also got a leaderboard of amongst the month's top performing video ads by vertical, as well as a bunch of guidelines and other useful resources for creatives. Yeah. Yeah. If if Facebook is saying, hey, here are the ads that we know are doing well and letting you and pointing you to them, you best take notice, right? It'd be really good if they told us how much they spent too. Yeah, Yeah, that would be nice. That's a great point. Well, well, no, you can't find that out, I guess, can you? So, no. And then Snapchat's doing something similar, right, Kim? Right. So Snapchat has launched solutions in a snap and it's an ad overview series. 
So the content, it's a content series and you can hear directly from Snapchat experts on how you as an advertiser can drive business results on Snapchat. So there you go. That's what you need to know. Let's get into our segments. We've got two great guests. Number one, Michael Stelsner. He's the founder of Social Media Examiner. He's also the man behind Social Media Marketing World. He's the host of the Social Media Marketing Podcast, founder of the Social Media Marketing Society. In fact, founder of this very podcast as well. Uh, And also the central character in the journey. It's Michael Stelsner. Welcome back to the show. It's great to be back. Thank you so much. And then next to him, we have Amanda Bond. She's the owner of The Ad Strategist. And Entrepreneur Magazine calls her a Facebook advertising genius. She's been a speaker at SMMW 18. She's going to be a speaker at SMMW 19. Looking forward to seeing you again, Amanda. But welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So the goal here for us is to review the major milestones in Facebook news this year. And boy, were there some big ones. And then to basically say, you know, oh, everyone freaked out. Where are we at now, though, as we kind of close out the year? That's the theme. So I'm just going to start bringing up the news. Stop me if you heard this one, but basically Facebook newsfeed reaches at zero, or that's what they supposedly announced back in January, almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. This is insane. So, uh, well, let's clarify I, what they actually said. Exactly. We want to clarify. And what say, they actually said was that they were going to depreciate content from publishers, bloggers, media companies. And instead what they were going to do was uh, put more focus on what they called meaningful engagement, which meant comments inside of groups, um, comments between friends, not necessarily between pages and people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Amanda, you got anything you want to add to that? No, I was just going to say that back and forth. We've been calling it the three C's, community, conversation, and connection. So they are deprioritizing some Facebook page posts. But if your page was able to maintain those three C's, connection, community, and conversation, you're seeing less of a hit. So that's kind of what was happening then. Yeah. And we should probably state that uh, this was like February, January 10th. It was, it was, yeah, it was like a week and a half into January when they, it was like January 10th or 12th. Yeah. I presented about it at social media marketing world and it, it, we were all like waiting for the shoe to drop and it, and it's, it, it was a debate. Had it already happened? When did it happen? But Eric and I were analyzing uh, some stuff recently today and I've been looking back and we've definitely, it hasn't been like just all of a sudden, like, like we, we dropped like a rock. It was just, it's been a gradual decline. For example, in our case, we have about 550,000 fans. I don't know how many of those fans are more than what they were in January, but for us, an average post gets a reach of what ten thousand. Is that about yeah, right? yeah, yeah? Yeah, a good a good post, even without it being like super takeoff comments and yeah. you know shares and all that kind of stuff, is even maybe inching towards twenty thousand. Yeah, we have the that's where we're at. We are forty thousand posts reach post, but but the the reality is that reach is dismal now. So something did happen. Whether it was a gradual boiling of the frog or whatever, um, the reality is that, especially when it comes to posting links or driving traffic organically, it's pretty much, let's be honest, non-existent. And we at Social Media Examiner made the decision to stop pushing our content uh, earlier in 2018 to our blog. And um, 
occasionally we will try it, but we know that that's not the objective of Facebook. They don't want people leaving. Uh, yeah. To comment on the date part there, I was actually going back through my phone because I took some screenshots back in July of 2017. So six months before the update was publicly announced. And in the Facebook app, they were notifying people July of last year. Every single thing that they said in January was happening. So in terms of was it January 11th or 12th, whenever that date was, and it happened that day? No. But of course, now that people are aware of it, they think that it happened that day. However, Facebook has really been prioritizing the three C's, that connection, community, and conversation since January 2017. So now we're just starting to see the results of marketers not really realizing that they needed to focus on community and connection. Well, and Mike, I remember half the comments when you first went live about this news right around, you know, January 10th, 11th was people were saying, I wondered what was going on. Like they were already seeing it. Like Mm -hmm. it was a sudden drastic thing. And let's be honest, like when they made this announcement uncharacteristically for Facebook, they spelled it out clear and said, you will see declines. Usually up till that point, it was you may or may not see declines to kind of cover themselves. And it wasn't just, it was not just just pages. Adam Masseri clarified all posts from all individuals and all pages. So it was across the entire platform. This is part of the reason why you don't see your friends sharing content anymore. You don't see that at all. It's extremely rare. If someone goes to your blog, shares a post, it absolutely does nothing for your traffic. So even the addition of social share buttons, for example, on a post are, should be really called into question. And it's not just Facebook, it's across, you know, pretty much all the social platforms. So you can keep this going wherever you want to go, because I know there's more we got to talk about, but, but that's an undisputable fact that they declared publicly, this is what it is. And the real question is, when did it happen? But we now know it's not good. So there you have it. I'd just like to add there, like, Right now, we're seeing a resurgent in a, a resurgence in engagement. So reach might still be down, but since this update, since it's been brought to top of mind, when you focus on connection and when you focus on that conversation piece, engagement rates are slowly climbing up again. So I just encourage anyone who wants to use Facebook as a platform to look at your data, but then use it right? Like go in and say, what are my posts that get the highest engagement, highest reach and continue to experiment? Like look at social media examiner. You guys do a great job at pivoting and trying new things when the data tells you something. So as marketers, we should turn around and say, Hey, what is still working on Facebook? And then use that to our advantage as we start to plan out content for 2019. We've, we've been doing a few cool things with links because we're still sending lots of traffic from Facebook, but we're not posting, you know, that rectangular typical, you put a link and it pre-populates the rectangle. We don't do any link posting like that. We've started to do longer form copy Mm. and then just add links with no thumbnail preview. Those ones are performing double digit engagement. And my page obviously isn't 500,000 like social media examiner here. That's because that's a status post, right? So you're not letting the open graph data. Yeah. We've experienced the same thing when we post news, that is we write the text of the news and we don't actually just link to some news site. It almost always outperforms. Absolutely. Because it's considered a status update and a status update can lead to a conversation instead of an external, you know, leaving the site kind of a thing. And that's smart. Absolutely. Yeah. And on top of that, clicking a link 
though not a link post, a status post, clicking a link is actually an engagement that Facebook measures. And so by still having that link in there for those people who are truly curious, though it's you've read about it, you've learned about it and like, oh, you know what? There's the link. I'll click through. You're adding yet another one. They clicked it to open it further Two, they click yes. to then go check out the news itself that you just told them about. So you've earned like two to three engagements or so on that point right there. So uh, I was talking about this on our Facebook page with uh, one of the fans the other day, and they said one of the biggest changes that they had happened this year was this, and it was the way that they pivoted into posting from their page, not as if they were posting to their community, but as if they were a profile writing to their other profiles of their friends, talking as if they were human instead of uh, just writing copy as if they're human right <laughs> no, exactly as as it, they are human <laughs> yeah so that i think are we, gonna, are we gonna talk about video at all because i think we should touch on that yeah so well actually let's let's touch on that right now that's not one of the major topics but let's 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 touch on that now and wrap it into this this topic so well, yeah i think the other major thing that we've noticed and i would love amanda's experience on this but everyone we've talked to has kind of noticed this as well is that there's been a behavior shift over the last year about a year ago facebook watch was a big deal they were promoting the heck out of it there was a lot of major um entertainers that were, you know, being paid a lot of money to be part of the platform over the last couple of years. And um, recently, Mark Zuckerberg kind of came out for the first time and publicly declared that YouTube is ahead of Facebook when it comes to video. And that Facebook is really more about conversation and less about passive viewing. And I think that was a very important signal. And uh, we recently discovered by looking at the analytics that the reality for us and many, many others is that most people, their user behavior on Facebook when it comes to um, recorded video, okay, uploaded video is kind of drive-by experience. They watch it for under a minute, but if it's over a minute, forget about it. So, um, so we're advocating strongly shorter videos like one minute or less um, and the longer videos need to be somewhere else. And I know a lot of people were in an uproar because we canceled three shows off of Facebook as a result of this data. But uh, we are seeing really positive data when we do shorter video. Amanda, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Well, I'm one of the people that watch out of all of the Facebook watch shows. There's two that I will catch pretty continuously. So I am in that user base of people staying on Facebook to sit down and watch a 20, 30 minute show. I don't get through all of them because sometimes I get distracted with notifications. So there is By the that. Way, you should acknowledge that, that they actually don't make it easy for you to stay focused, do they? No, not at all. Your notifications pop up, your messages pop up. So you're very distracted while watching it. But It's I like do- watching a movie inside of your email inbox. Right. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And looking at the data, I love that that was the the focus of it. I'm a big believer in choosing one platform to syndicate your content from. So in this case, when YouTube is giving you the best results, sure, let's produce the content on YouTube and then use these other channels as they're meant to, as your audience is experiencing it, to drive all of the traffic so that it compounds in one location. So I I believe that you made the right decision because you were publishing the full content on both platforms. Now you can use it to like ramp up and drive to YouTube because those are like, that's where people are staying longer. And those notifications and messages ain't popping up over there. (laughs) 
Well, and yeah. even just this morning, Mike, you and I were looking at the data for Facebook as well as YouTube, and it's all spelled out right in there that the choice that we made was the right one. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Even with live video, believe it or not, uh, this show is syndicated on YouTube and on Facebook. And, um, you know, we'll get 400 views on YouTube, a couple thousand on Facebook. But when we actually looked at the metrics, it was shocking. The metrics showed that even for a show that's like 45 minutes long, like this show on YouTube, people are watching it a long ways through. But on Facebook, they're just not. It's nuts. It's really, really, really crazy. So um, so even I'm telling people, like, if you're going to do live video, don't do this kind of live video necessarily on Facebook. Do direct interaction with the audience kind of live video. I did an experiment from my uh, home office where I just did Q&A directly with people live on Facebook. Got crazy reach, got crazy engagement. You know, it wasn't like just people are passively watching us talk. It was me interacting with them. That kind of live video, there's no better platform, I think, than Facebook. So, um, Mike, why don't you share uh, yesterday you were mentioning something about like the shorter form video and how other creators are using that to capture the attention. I think that's a really good piece of advice just as as people change the way that they're creating on Facebook. You, yeah. you got to pivot. So here's what we do uh, for the journey, which is our, our, our series. Anybody watch the journey? Um, the journey is exclusively on YouTube. And what we do is we create like a 30 second to one minute max video which is kind of a teaser. And we put it in square format on every social platform. And then what we do is we write a description and the description is written to be like, here, here's what this is about. Click to watch the rest of the story. We hide the YouTube link in a pretty link. So it's like socialmediaexaminer.com slash journey 12. Okay. So, so what ends up happening is that video will be watched a lot like uh, thousands and thousands of time, times, but only a few hundred of those people will click on the links, but that's okay. Um, and from Facebook, and then we can track because we're using pretty links across the whole platform. We get about a thousand people that click on those links, but it works. And the reason it works is because it's short, sweet, and to the point. It's like those tasty videos or like those silly cat videos. You know, people want short, quick, snippy entertainment stuff. It all has captions in it. I mean, we were even talking, Amanda and I, yesterday about how in ads, you know, a lot of people that are having success with ads are doing very short 15, 30 second videos with ads. So you just have to understand the mindset of the person when they're on the platform. Amanda, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm scrolling when I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, just from an ads perspective, since you mentioned it, we announced, I think it was like six or eight weeks back, the new, actually, maybe it was this summer that it rolled out the new through play objectives. So you know how with ads, YouTube, they don't actually charge you until you hit a certain right. play time. Facebook introduced that. And what we're seeing is they're able to find the pockets of people that are watching a majority of the videos. So once you amplify those ads with through play and get billed for through play, you'll see a larger percentage of people actually finishing those videos, which is great if that's your goal with the video. But you have to ask yourself, as with any ad, what's your objective? And is that going to help me reach the objective of revenue and sales at the end of the day? So through play, is that the pre-roll kind of ad? Is that what you're talking about? Or no, it's, it's any like 15 seconds or something like that. Yeah. It's any video views ad of any length, but when you go to be charged per impression, you can choose through play and have it optimized for people that watch through play. So oh, a through play is now 15 seconds. Thing. Got it. Yeah. Well, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's a certain certain type of consumer yeah. to videos, which is great. I'm I'm glad they're giving us that option. By the great. way, I want to 
point out something real quick. Something that we probably should have included in on way back when we first started talking about Mark's announcement back in January is he even said that video would get less watch time and we would see video less in the newsfeed. So I kind of wish we'd paid attention quicker and sooner to that, but we do see more video on the weekends. I don't know if you guys have noticed. That is true. Have you noticed? I mean, no, I haven't seen. I've that noticed. Either. I've noticed that on the weekends. I see videos, and I hardly ever see videos. The other problem with Facebook, I'm see first with certain people that publish Facebook videos, and I've noticed recently that they're hiding those videos on the mobile device under the video tab, so it doesn't show up in the feed anymore, which is a real problem because, like, if I'm see first on someone, I expect to see it at the top of the feed. Okay. Not yep. in that stupid little thing at the bottom. Have you guys ever noticed that before? Because that hurts uh, those of us that are creating videos as well. And um, it's just unfortunate that they have that little button down there, you know, that watch button. And it's yeah. not necessarily the watch platform. It just means click here to watch videos. So, Which is confusing to a lot of people, when, they, especially marketers, when they don't fully know the, the details of what Facebook Watch is. Um, I want to pivot real quick then to the consumer side of things. Mm -hmm. Because it's good for us as marketers to understand that side of things. We're also, again, we're also human. But um, as far as I know, yeah, I think. I mean, I'm not a robot, but some uh, of us are. <laughs> um, I thought that. Pew Pew came out with research on social media habits, and this was post. The Well, actually, it was kind of in the midst of all the Cambridge Analytica stuff, which we're going to quickly skirt over and just say Facebook had some security issues this year that kind of messed them up PR wise. They're still maybe feeling some of that now. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about us as consumers and Mark talking at the beginning of the year about improving the experience for consumers. And now through to now where Pew had that information where they basically were saying like people were taking breaks and or quitting and or whatever. I, I want to get your impression of this. My, I, I had to take a long, hard look and say, how am I acting on Facebook? And I realized like when I'm using Facebook as a marketer during the week, like I don't use it on the weekend and I don't necessarily use it as a consumer even during the day as much because notification bleed from one side to the other either distracts me from work or work distracts me from having fun. So I kind of have gone neutral on the platform. I wonder what's the case for you guys. The moment they decided to stop sharing news was the moment Facebook became a lot less utilitarian for me because it's, I got all my news on that. It was at that moment that I downloaded you know, the, the Apple News app and the Google News mm -hmm. app, and I started getting my news off of Facebook. In addition, when Apple came out with the screen time features, I started putting limits on how long I could stay on social apps. And once I hit it, I just didn't look again. So I find that um, if I represent an average consumer in my age and demographic, I'm spending a lot less time on Facebook than I used to. And when I do go back, I see the same crap every time. It's like Facebook lifts up to me the same stupid post every time I'm in there. Do you guys experience that as well? Sometimes. Yes. And it's like, it doesn't make me want to come back. So, And, and Mike, you're like me. We've both, I know, because we've talked about this, spent time curating our newsfeed experience through the tools they've given us, and yet it still doesn't seem to necessarily be working. A lot of public sentiment against Facebook right now. Um, there's a lot of angst, and there's a lot of disappointment with the way the experience is. People really loved getting information, even though there's a lot of false information. They loved getting their content through Facebook. And now that there really is no easy way to get content at all through Facebook, then those people that don't necessarily want to interact, because let's be honest, not everybody wants to chat, right? Not everybody is that kind of person. So I think they're 
I think Facebook is is unfortunately plateaued and starting to head in the other direction. I think there's going to be incredible opportunity for disruption with a lot of the other social platforms. What do you think, Amanda? I actually read the book, uh, Deep Work by, I think it's Cal Newport's the author recently, and it made me question my own social media habits. And just like you said, Eric, we use it so much as marketers already that when you go on in your free time, it almost automatically bleeds into work time. And I realized how much that took a toll on me. So I've uninstalled it from my phone. I only have Messenger... on my phone because of the voice message function. And it is set to no notifications. And my personal time has navigated over to Instagram, which as a personal user, I really wasn't big on that platform before, but I don't get as many business notifications over there. So that's my little safe haven now. And I've actually been diving back into Twitter, which then is why I've been showing up to the Twitter chats more. Cause I'm like, oh, what's going on over here? Cause there's links, there's content. Just it's a different experience for me. So it's it's giving my brain a little bit of a break from the Facebook for business and the Facebook for personal side of the world. I have a controversial prediction here. I believe that we are moving the pendulum is moving the other direction. Um, and what I mean by this is, you know, five or ten years ago, there was really no easy way to interact with people. Uh, let's just say seven years ago, right? Um, and those that wanted to be social, they would be on Twitter. Um, but then everyone got social and it got to the point where it was too much and nobody wanted any more of it. It was like overkill, okay? So now the pendulum is going the other direction where people want to be able to retreat. They want to be able to be entertained. They want to be able to read without interruption. They want to be able to watch things without interruption. This is why there is a movement now back to YouTube. This is why the average viewing session on YouTube is 45 minutes a day, 1.9 billion people, okay? Active daily users. So so this is why I think marketers need to start exploring if there's a user behavior change that's happening because people are beginning to realize they need to take their life back. And when they actually want to watch something, maybe they want to be entertained and, and lean back and not have to do anything. There's a reason to diversify some of your marketing. That That's just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Kim, I want to ask uh, your perspective on this. I mean, what do you think? Are you, how are you using, how are you balancing work and, you know, home or consumer life as far as social tools go? I think that I use social media less as a consumer now that I work in social media all the time than when I did before. I, there's so, there is so much crossover between the two that I will, when I'm on Facebook, I kind of immerse myself in the ads manager. So I don't get distracted by things scrolling through, but um, I definitely use Facebook and all of the social networks much less than I used to. And maybe because I'm not a super chatty person and I, I'm not necessarily looking for that engagement personally. And and it's, it's mostly because I do so much of it during the day for work. Uh, as we're ending kind of the segment, we can wrap up here in a few minutes, but like, <laughs> I just this year, this 2018 year is kind of a changeover year for Facebook, big, isn't it? Big change for the whole industry, really. Yeah, I mean the the sentiment you were talking about, the the announcements that they made, which which honestly made it really funny when they came out with the portal. Come on, like two months <laughs> ago when they came out with putting a camera in your home. I'm like seriously, <laughs> like almost absolutely no I one taking this thing out of the box. To be honest. Yeah, you. you I got don't an echo. Know if I want anybody listening, you know. Right. Yeah. Amazon wants you know to listen to you. Facebook wants to watch you. I don't know. Um, nobody, nobody, by the way, on any platform that we asked about Facebook Portal, are you getting one? Said yes. Whoa. No one. 
I never saw a yes. So all uh, the technology is freaking cool. It's like Mevo. Oh, you know, it tracks your face and everything. So you know, it's the, but but that just goes to show it's the name on the box that's affecting. That's right. Bad timing for Facebook yeah. to come out with that kind if of product. Apple came out with something like that. People would probably buy it because they know that company isn't about necessarily selling your information. So yeah, right. So. Uh, any closing thoughts in terms of, uh, again, I know, Mike, you kind of made your prediction. Uh, maybe uh, maybe you want to stick with that. Amanda, do you have an, a prediction you want to share? I'm actually really excited for 2019 because I feel like the marketers, the good, well-intentioned marketers that are going to start putting their customers first again are going to see massive success in 2019 because what happened this year was the noise was so loud. It's starting to lessen from all these changes that are happening. And so the, it's, it's a scenario of cr the cream is rising to the top. Right. So I think in 2019, you're going to see some really good customer first campaigns from a lot of marketers. And we've just got some amazing predictions around Facebook ads because the costs are rising so much. What's going to happen to especially the internet marketing industry that's very funnels driven instead of customer driven, we're going to see some changes within that industry. So I'm excited for 2019. The good marketers, the well-intentioned marketers are going to see success. And Mike, I think you'd probably echo what she just said, because it's a lot of what we've been talking about lately <laughs> in the episodes of the journey that we've put out recently. Yeah, right? I mean, like, let's be honest, these are very uncertain, tumultuous times. Nobody knows who's going to change the rules next. You know, there, nobody knows when the next shoe is going to drop. And a smart marketer is a marketer that's always diversified. And anyone who's listening right now needs to make sure their eggs are never in any one basket 100%. So if your entire identity is wrapped up in Instagram, well, maybe you ought to start expanding into Twitter. And if you're all in on Facebook, maybe you need to start looking at YouTube and dot, 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 dot. Because the reality is that um, we humans, um, believe it or not, use many of these different platforms in many different ways. We're not all in one place, even though social platform A or X would like to make you think that. How much you want to bet the same people that live on Facebook, half of them are also over on YouTube. So the reality is we just need to like think like customers, like consumers, mm -hmm. and we need to flex and change when the information changes so that we're not left behind. And that's the reason why, you know, we at Social Media Examiner offer all of these resources. That's the reason we have this live show every week. That's the reason I have a podcast. That's why we have the journey. That's why we have our free blog why we do everything that we do at Social Media Examiner is to be the trail guide for you guys in this ever-changing, fastest freaking changing industry on the planet. So, um, you know, just don't close your eyes and don't bury your head in the sand because the times, they are changing. Well, and obviously it's the reason we do the conference too. So before I let you guys go, let's do the pitch for social media marketing world. Obviously, I think we've kind of just made it. Let me it's like, pitch. okay, geez. here's the deal. Um, actually today, December 14th is the last day to save 300 bucks on your all access ticket. But if you've never gone, did you know you can get a ticket for as little as 297 bucks? Um, honestly, it's the best gathering of the brightest minds, the, all the Amanda bombs of the world and many, many more. They come, they bring their best stuff. But what's really exciting about it is how the conversations that you get to have with these teachers, these experts, after they're done with their session, the debriefings that happen in the halls, the table talks, the connections that you make. 
And we have actually already opened Facebook groups. So you can start finding your tribe, connecting right now. We have eight groups already open for Social Media Marketing World. So if you're thinking of coming and you haven't made your decision yet, think of it as an investment, not an expense, because there will be a return for you. Oh, and where can they find it, Eric? And they can find it at smmw19.com. So that's that's your that's where to find you, Mike. Amanda, where can people find you till they see you at Social Media Marketing World? Well, if you want to come hang out, I still encourage you to do that on Facebook, even everything that we said today. So come hang out on my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the ad strategist. And we actually published the piece on our predictions and the state of the union of Facebook ads just today. So I'm very excited. If you want to check out that blog post, it's at the ad strategist.com forward slash SME. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Amanda. We'll see you soon. All right. So great segment. We've got another one coming up here for you. In fact, we just did the pitch, so we don't need to switch. Hey, that rhymed. It did rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) So Kim, we're going to talk about Twitter and this should be interesting. So we're going to do the exact same thing we just did, but we're going to do it all now for yet another network. And by the way, if you miss at the beginning, we're going to do next week's show this same way, but we're going to have Instagram as the topic and then also LinkedIn and we'll have new guests for you. So it's going to be fun. So Twitter, let's catch my breath. Twitter this, this year officially cut access to uh, third party apps. So there was a lot of changes when it came to Twitter in terms of what they were allowing to connect to it, what they were allowing to happen on their channel what they were allowing to do. And and ultimately, when I was looking back through all the news, two themes uh, stuck out to me. And it basically came down to Twitter was all about this year cutting down on the noise and the spam. The noise was the uh, the marketing or the marketers, the the non smart marketers or the I, I, I almost wanted to say it when Amanda said it, she said smart marketers. And I was like, oh, you mean smarketers? Smarketers. So, so, <laughs> so marketers don't do that stuff, but yeah. lots of people do. So, and this basic, this big API change basically made it to where you could not duplicate a tweet and populate it into a tool and then send it as basically a deployed manual kind of a bot attack. And I thought that was a great thing. It, it was really... I mean, Kim, you, you, I mean, up till that point, we would basically, we'd write one tweet and we'd drop it in on say social media examiners, uh, and Michael Stelzner's Twitter account, and maybe mm-hmm. one other one. And he just push it out all at the same time. Well, you mm-hmm. can't do that anymore. The tools just were literally unable to do so. I know you right. do some stuff, um, with Twitter and ha- or have in the past, yeah. obviously this was sacrificing convenience, but isn't it better overall for Twitter to have less noise, right? Oh, for sure. I think that the people that it really impacted the most were the ones that would, you know, load up all of these tweets and they're tweeting out every five minutes. And that's not even an exaggeration. There's literally accounts that every five minutes, there's a tweet going out to this article, that article. But, you know, they were doing that because they needed to in the beginning when Twitter didn't have an algorithm and it was just a straight fire hose of tweets going through. You had to bombard the platform with content just in the hopes of being seen. But when Twitter did start using that algorithm and it kind of necessitated to cut down on the noise and the fastest way to do that is to stop those automatic tweets that are just going out over and over and over. 
Yeah. So uh, basically, again, the the guidelines that they put out there was that uh, anything that was going to allow multiple accounts to perform multiple actions, it wasn't just sending out of tweets. It was also liking and retweeting and following like all those different automated things coming from multiple accounts were just basically shut down. I mean, this is this is a cent- I mean, we'll probably get into this very briefly next week with uh, Instagram, but they mm-hmm. just started doing this. This was something Twitter started doing. Gosh, when was it? Mid like two thirds of the no one third of the way into the year. So so it was very nice to see that happening. Of course, yeah. there was. I mean, I, I kind of hate to say it, but like all the scheduling tools out there, though, like what are their you know, it's, it's kind of a freak out moment for them. It's like, well, if I'm your sure core functionality, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and luckily they do, you know, they and a number of other uh, things do lots more than just that. And it, and right. it was all about having unique tweets, which is, you know, which is great. And, and, and by the way, like this was actually coming in after last year where they changed over to the actual or was it the year before? I don't know. Anyway, they, it, Twitter already had an algorithm. <laughs> you know, it, it already didn't make sense to right. attempt to do this spammy stuff and this noisy stuff. Now they were basically saying, OK, we're just going to eliminate the, the possibility for you to even do it at all. So right. there you go. The other thing that kind of freaked out, you know, developers, et cetera, was the API change where they were cutting off third party apps that were duplicating functionality of mm-hmm. Twitter. And this was more of a, oh, so my favorite app is going to kind of be, have have less of a the same experience. Um, you know, for me t- as a TweetBot user for a long time, they've kind of, they're, they're still out there. I actually still use it. I actually use it probably more now than than ever. In a weird way, I had like a resurgence with Twitter. I was, long story short, um, I sold Jeff C on it as well because it was like, hey, you can, t- you can do all these tweaks and lists and things inside of that one app and then just go into that one app to use it there. And then all that stuff still functions, but they cut out all this other functionality. So it was like, there's not other Facebook apps out there. There's one Facebook yeah. app. You know, like you go to Facebook, you go to the Facebook app or the Facebook website. It makes sense that they would want to have a little bit more control over the user experience, just like Facebook does. And the only way to do that is to modify that API so developers can't basically duplicate their work. Right. Yeah, exactly. So so not only did they cut down on the API with third-party app developers uh, and do the thing with, uh, what what's what did I say, with the, the duplication and the automation stuff, um, they also then talked about two or three times this year, they did purging of like inactive accounts and different right. things like that, um, which was interesting what we saw. Yeah, to get rid of the bots, to, to stop the bots and get rid of the bots was basically the other step. And so then there was this third thing they did, which was planning to expand verification to all users. Now, this was from right around the time of the of social media marketing world back in uh, the end of March, mid-March. And we've not heard this come back around again just yet. Uh, interestingly enough, I kind of wish that it would Roll, it out, roll out already. What they basically mm-hmm. were saying, we're thinking about and kind of taking steps to make sure that Twitter verification uh, will become a thing that's easy to do. Actually, Instagram did do this, they, but of course, it's for like actual like celebrities or different or big name yeah. brizzes, yeah, and influencers and things like people that are act people that are actually a business or businesses that are businesses can do it fairly quickly. You can mm-hmm. literally submit it right there in the app. I've I tried it. 
I was not accepted. I am not I famous. I was neither. <laughs> <laughs> but Twitter has – but and that's Instagram doing that. But Twitter said that it was going to be doing that. Hasn't really come around back to that yet. But again, that would fit and be natural with what else they talked about doing this year. So with, you know, again, going back to eliminating the noise, which is just the bombardment of tweets and automated tweets, and then the eliminating of the, what did I call it again? New noise and something else. Spam. Spam. Yes. So, and, and that would be also bots and automated and, and things like that nature. Mm-hmm. So by the way, I, I've been in this kind of mode of Twitter lately and just uh, two weeks ago, not today, but two weeks ago, Mike, released a podcast from the social media marketing podcast, we which, which we will link to. Uh, it was Dan Knowlton, mm-hmm. and he talked about approaching Twitter from the view of asking uh, Twitter, what is it good for? And I couldn't help but hear, you know, Twitter, what is it good for? And then also saying, <laughs> absolutely nothing. But I've changed my mind on that. Twitter is not good for absolutely nothing. It's good for some great things. And I know you listened to that episode, put you on the spot. What like what stood out to you? What were your takeaways? And I'll give you mine later. Um, well, one, don't be, you know, spamming the feed with all of your links that um just using it as a a broadcast platform isn't really going to cut it anymore, that it's really the most personal of all of the social networks because you can reach out to pretty much anyone and with the decent likelihood of getting a response back if you're genuinely trying to engage. And I maybe not like with the president or whatever, which is probably a good thing. But, um, you know, there's like, if you have a favorite, I do this a lot. I read a lot of books. And so I will find the authors on Twitter and, you know, and where else can you go and, and communicate directly with someone and actually have a chance of getting responded to. You can't do that on Facebook, you know, first you have to become a friend. Otherwise you end up in inbox, you know, wasteland. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was probably the biggest takeaway for me is how personal Twitter really is and can be and how hard they're working toward making it even more so. So that was my big takeaway. Yep. Great call. Um, Mine were that, again, the things that Twitter is good for is chat. And mm-hmm. leaning into that and and getting back to chatting with people and or brands even on Twitter uh, news. So we've been redoubling yeah. our efforts as social media examiner to put out the latest and greatest news. The things that you would find on this show, we're tweeting right. them first. So make sure you're following us on Twitter. Um, yeah. Let's see. There's one or two other things. Uh, again, chat with chats. Uh, that's why we started the tweet chat. We started that before Mike had had this conversation, which was great. And it grows every week. And by the way, quick plug, like Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. The hashtag is SME chat. We typically talk about this kind of stuff. So it's great. Like if you, if you can't be here at this show live, join in on that chat. Even if you are listening to this live, just do it anyway. Um, I think there was one other. Ele- oh, events. Duh. Twitter, like we get a shot in the arm every year on our account because of doing social media marketing world. And we interact with that, even with the people that aren't there live at the event, we interact mm-hmm. with everybody with that hashtag. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, and, and there's more Twitter's got way more, um, dimensions to it. So I guess as we close out this year in my personal experience, I feel like I am seeing less noise and less spam on Twitter I don't know. What are you, what are you thinking? Oh, what's your experience now? I mean, you're, are you, do you think Twitter achieved its goals this year? I think that they have. I think that they're making great progress toward making Twitter a place that you want to 
engage again. And But I was just thinking about something. If they do get the verification going and everybody that's a real account gets verified, and then they have a little switch that you can only see tweets from verified people, how awesome would that be? That would be such that a good be idea. So cool? Yes. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. And, and also the edit button. I don't want to get into that. Obviously, they brought that they brought it back up yet again this year, uh, mm-hmm. about a month or so ago, and we talked about it. And you know, there's pros and cons slash implementation issues. We'll see. I think 2019 will be the year that they do the edit button prediction, and uh, mm. we'll see how it we'll see how it turns out. But yeah, so hey. That's our show for this week. We wanted to do this these two quick recaps. Again, we're going to do come back next week. We're going to do this all over again, but we're going to do it with Instagram and we're going to do it with LinkedIn. We're going to have Tyler J. McCall talk about Instagram. We're going to have AJ Wilcox and Vivica Von Rosen for LinkedIn. And so join us again next week for the social media marketing talk show. And again, make sure to grab your Social Media Marketing World 2019 ticket at smmw19.com. You heard, Mike, there's a sale. It's ending today. You need to take advantage of it if you've been putting it off. And uh, I just want to say thank you to uh, Jeff C. for simulcasting, Grace Duffy Duffy for being our great show producer, um, Kim for being a great co-host. And uh, if you liked this show, Share it. If you're listening after the fact as a podcast, we'd love for you to share it as well. Uh, You can find the show notes and dig deeper on all the stuff we talked about on the Saturday post. Every Saturday on socialmediaexaminer.com is where the show notes are for this. And uh, with that, we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Have a great weekend. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.